Before the bloodbath begins, slither your way over to the host's socials. For the podcast, slash over to Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast. Instagram, the Baron's Hideout Podcast. Then stab over to Dean's Instagram at Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. Listen to the show on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the sleigh and try to stay alive. For the next period of time, strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests, and which to learn their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is within the barrens. director and actor of his feature film debut the artifice girl a sci-fi thriller with xyz films and paper street pictures let's welcome franklin rich and get futuristic <laughs> thank you so much dustin i'm excited to get futuristic <laughs> how you doing how you doing i'm doing good man i'm doing good you know it's uh everybody was sort of saying like oh you got to prepare for the the press chunkets they're going to be so intense and th- again this is my first film this is my first sort of rodeo as they say um so i was like yeah it'll be fine i, I can't wait to talk about the film <laughs> but sure Until enough you say it uh, every like hour <laughs> <laughs> no but it's been great honestly like i uh, uh it's 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 been a really wonderful experience you know when you when you have like when you've been working on a project for three years and you can't talk to people about it mm-hmm. to finally get to open up about it is, is wonderful. You know, it's like a, it's like a champagne bottle ex- exploding of just like all of these thoughts and ideas that I, I, I like things that I forgot about when, when writing the, the, the script. So uh, this has been great. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad you're having a good time. Um, but before we jump into the artifice girl, what I like to do with all the guests that we have on this show is I always like to kind of go back to the beginning and to see where, you know, everything started with you. Was it something that um, was writing, directing or, or acting or all of it together? Was it something that you've always wanted to do at a young age or did it kind of come later in life? So I want you to let us know a little bit about that. Yeah, it's always been. I mean, as, as long as I can remember, I knew I wanted to make films. Uh, of course, when you when you're a kid, though, and you and you want to be a a movie maker, it, it seems impossible. It's like wanting to be an astronaut, you know? Uh, so I, I really didn't feel like it was possible really mm-hmm. um, until, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but I was six or seven years old. And I remember watching a VHS tape of Wallace and Gromit and the wrong trousers. And for some reason that like kicked it off for me because I watched that and had this like realization of, Oh, well, well I can do that. That's, that's plasticine. And like you, you, you get a camera, like a little still camera and you take a photo and then you move it a little bit and then take a photo. And then yep. I can do that. And then I, I went and got some plasticine and some Legos on a little Kodak oh, yeah. chair, I think was the first camera I actually, I, or I, there was a clunky JVC camcorder too, but it was, it was around that, that time. That was my, my, my Nana's, uh, <laughs> she let me, she gave it to me for, for Christmas. Um, and started making stop motion films. That was how I got my start in, in film at, uh, 
in like my early, early years and into middle school. And then in high school, I actually started making friends uh, and uh, coming out of my shell a little bit. And that's when I started doing short films with uh, fellow classmates and stuff. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. Uh, that's That's how it all started for me. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Starting doing stop motion for your first thing. I feel like a lot of people be like, oh, I'm not going to touch that because that's, that's <laughs> tricky. You got to make sure everything's perfect, but you're doing it so young. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> hey, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot to benefit from that in, in hindsight, like uh, for, for one thing, yeah, you do have to be a little crazy <laughs> and, and neurotic to that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that dedicated to just like, and, and every like little mistake you either have to just run with it and say, okay, how do I make this mistake? Like the next, it's going to dictate what the next 30 frames are. It's yeah. like your character going to sway a little bit and are you going to turn that into a dance or are you going to start over? You know, like that's, that was, that's always kind of the, the, the risk, but, um, but even still, like, I, I love telling that story and it's funny, like having, it's sort of strangely connects back to Artifice Girl because I feel like there's something so magical and uh, about taking an inanimate object and through light and, you know, pictures and, and movement, you can get people to have emotional connections with yeah. it. You know, it's, that's just so crazy that like the Pixar lamp has so much personality yeah. <laughs> because of the way that it moves. Um, and Artifice Girl is all about that. It's uh, can you empathize with an inanimate object, and therefore, you know why? Why is that important? Um, so, uh, anyways, I think uh, that, that I, I learned a lot growing up doing doing stop motion, and uh, the you know wasn't the conventional way to get into film. But um, hey, so far so good, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the Artifice Girl. Um, it's so different um, to a lot of other movies that are out there because. A lot of people might say, oh, this is a really wordy film, but you know, it is, but I love it. And I, because I, I love the attention of detail and the world building you're doing without there being an actual world, you know, mm -hmm. like you're, you're just like in these like little areas or, or houses or whatever it may be, but you're talking about all these different locations and things that you're doing and why your character is doing this one thing with, um, with Cherry. And it's, it's so amazing. And also I wanted to ask you, because a lot of your lines are so fast paced and your dialogue is so quick. How long did it take you to nail that? Cause I would have been like, I had to have like 20 takes to, to nail like, like this, like three paragraph dialogue tree. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I, first of all, thank you. Uh, yeah. I, I, we, we were kind of counting on that being like the, the consensus that, yeah, this is going to be a wordy film. This was new going in. We didn't have anything, we, we didn't have the money or resources to, yeah. to do any crazy special effects. So we knew like uh, the, the, the building blocks of this project was going to be dialogue. Uh, so how do we just, can we make that, can we sustain an hour and a half on just people talking to each other? And if so, how? Um, I think part of the reason why I, I really didn't struggle that much with, with the, the memorization, I think for, for two main reasons. One, um, I, I wanted to make sure that every, uh, line felt like it, there, there was, you know, a continuous flow of, of ideas and, and emotions that, that every character had, you know, like the very Sorkin-esque intention and obstacle. Um, and that every line was just another kind of piece of that, what that person's natural inclination would be okay. to, 
to go towards. And that, that for me, that helps with memorization, knowing like, okay, this is how that's, this character is going to respond to this and then to that. And then this is what they want. And this is how they're going to try and change the subject. Um, but I think too, and probably more importantly, is that we had a, uh, extensive, uh, an extensive rehearsal process where um, we, because I wrote the script in the spring of 2020, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Wow. And then yeah. we decided to move forward with production um, in the summer. And, you know, uh, th th that was kind of the whole idea is this, is, this could be a project that we make in a COVID safe environment uh, yeah. uh, with minimal cast, minimal crew, one location. Um, and uh, so we did all of our rehearsals over Zoom for that reason. And that turned out to be super helpful. One, because uh, we were all kind of socially starved. Uh, we we hadn't interacted with anybody. So yeah, yeah. it was a great excuse for, for the four of us to just hop on a Zoom call and catch up and uh, and then run through the script and then talk about it, do, do table work. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that was that was really helpful. Um, we, we ended up rehearsing, you know, two or three times a week and it never felt like a, a chore because we didn't have to go anywhere. We were in the comfort of our, our homes and we got to just chat and hang out. And I had worked with uh, David, Cinda and Tatum on several other projects before Artifice Girls. So it was just always nice to to talk to them and, and just whether we were talking about uh, what was on TV or talking about the big philosophical ideas in the script, uh, it was always just a joy to to spend time and interact. And I think that helped a lot with memorization and just getting that dialogue down. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely feel there's a really strong connection with everybody in this film. And it, it has to be because of you talking to everybody, you know, that much. And you can tell that it's like, all right, it seems like these people have known each other for a long time because they're all bouncing off each other everything's working so well the flow is amazing there's never like a dull moment in this like i said with like a, a lot of dialogue you would expect like a movie like this like oh my god it's gonna <laughs> drag but it doesn't like i usually like at like the halfway point of a film if i think it's a halfway point i'll go and like look see where i am just to, you know kind of judge how i'm feeling for a film i didn't do that at all with this like it stopped and i was like wait that's it. <laughs> I was like, no, are you kidding me? There has to be more. There has to be more. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this was a great film. Like, I don't remember the last time it was that I didn't really look to see where I, where I was in a film. So uh, congrats on you and your whole team for making this like fly by. Seriously. Well, that 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 means a lot. You have no idea how how happy that that makes me to uh, that uh, I am to hear that 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 was always the you know <laughs> like when are people going to get bored uh and uh it's, it's great to hear that it's that that you were engaged uh and that it's it's resonating with people that's been that's been so wonderful to to, to finally hear after all this time <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can imagine. So <laughs> um another thing i wanted to ask is what is your writing process like because like oh, we're talking about there? this this um your writing process um what's your writing process like um Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I had a little lapse in the. Uh, oh no, the, no, you're good. You're good. You repeat that question. I, I think so. Can you hear right, me? Okay? Cool, cool. Um, so I just wanted to ask, what was your writing process like with a film like this? You know, it's very um based on dialogue and not so much visual. So, was there any challenges in writing a script like this? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, uh, from from the get go, again, we went into this. Uh, project, or, or I went into the into the writing process knowing that this was going to be, you know, all dialogue. 
Uh, and like I said, it's just a matter of figuring out how do you make that interesting? Uh, how uh, the story engaging and keep the pacing uh, dynamic. Um, and, and, and for me, again, like the idea of a predator hunting AI uh, was at first seemed like such a big idea uh, and would kind of work only in like a globe trotting epic, you know, but, but I also knew like as, as much as the idea of the, the people working on the AI to hunt predators, as interesting as that idea was, I also knew I wanted to explore like what was going to happen in a hundred years, you know, yeah. what, what was that going to look like? And I knew that I didn't have like three seasons of HBO to, to, <laughs> to work with. I had an hour and a half. So for me, it was like, okay, well, what if uh, I want to, I want to have, I want to see this scene and I want to see that scene. So then what's like kind of, where's, where's the, I, I know like the trajectory. So I just got to figure out like, what's that sort of, uh, that sort of third scene in the middle that kind of to sort of get us from A to B. Um, and once I kind of had that three act structure, which was very early on in the writing process, I think before I even wrote anything, um, once I had figured that out, knew that this was just going to be three long scenes taking place in real time spread out across a long stretch of time uh then you know then it was just a matter of doing the research uh and and uh, making sure that all of the the technical shorthand and the jargon was going to be you know act relatively accurate uh so weeks of research but then uh when i actually like started writing uh i remember like the, I think the first draft was done in 48 hours. What? It just, I didn't leave my bedroom. All right. And I know, again, like that wow. sounds crazy. And, and I, <laughs> I don't want it to be like, wow, what a savant. No, I mean, like, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was not attractive. It was like, you know, thank God for DoorDash. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it was COVID times and there was like, I had, you know, no, no sunlight coming into my room. So I was just locked up in on my bed, just you know, like like a little troll, a little writing troll, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, I just it felt like all of the beats kind of just sort of fell into place. Um, now that's not to say that there wasn't a lot of extensive sort of rewriting afterwards, but I, I just also felt like I was I had like over prepared for the assignment, I guess, uh, before I like actually sat down and out all the beats and and wrote all the dialogue uh, in that 48 hour window um but you know watching a lot of the um uh interrogation footage videos of real live oh yeah uh, criminal interrogations was super helpful and part of what kind of inspired that opening sequence because those real interrogations have kind of a rhythm you know in in the way that the uh the detectives sort of corner in on the suspect and give you know like increments of information at a certain pace uh but withhold certain things and then like kind of come in psychologically to sort of you know trap them and i thought that that was fascinating and i especially love watching those videos when i had no idea what it was the crime was yeah, I didn't yeah. The context of, of the of the of the video. So then you're like a little fly on the wall detective trying to figure out. And I thought that that would be a great way to kind of get the audience engaged into what's happening. We start the, the story in that interrogation room and the audience is trying to figure out what it is he's being accused of. OK, it's 
you know, he's a predator. Oh, wait, maybe he's not. But yeah. Girl, yeah. what is the, why is she important? You know? Uh, and for me, like it, it became a really easy sort of exchange. Uh, I mean, the, the, I don't think there's any like grand, uh, you know, sophistication to the, to the formula of, of that opening sequence. It's just every other page was, you know, you, you tell a secret and then you set up a mystery and then you tell another secret and then you set up a mystery and you do that like every other page um, and you go back and forth. Uh, and it just feels like the exposition is it, not only does it feel natural, but the audience is like hungry for it. The audience just wants to get to the next little breadcrumb. Um, so that helped a lot, I think, with that first sort of scene. And that also played a big role in, in the future scenes as well, even though they're not necessarily uh, cross-examinations, they they are kind of subtly picking, you know, taking on that same kind of formula, whether it's trying to figure out, uh, you know, who who, who uh, cast the, the the vote or, you know, yeah. what, what is Cherry, you know, trying to get Gareth to say, you know, like little things like that. Um, so that, that ended up kind of becoming the, the sort of, uh, theme of, of the pace. Yeah. And, um, I love that because I, as you were saying, like you're guessing like, okay, so what's going on here? Who's this person? What did they do? And then you find out and you're like, oh, wow. And like, you really are hungry for more. Like the whole, whole time. Like I could watch this as a TV show. If this was a TV show, I'm in, I'm in. And I want to I want to see it like a thousand years in the future. Where, where's Cherry now? And who, who is she with now? Is she advanced more? Um, you know, is she older? Did she upgrade to a different model? You know, I would love to see that. And it's so funny, too, because, you know, we're, we're kind of in the age right now of AI. You know, there's a lot of like chat bots and stuff. So the, the movie, it feels so futuristic, but modern. And I was wondering, are you afraid of AI? <laughs> yeah that's the that's the big question isn't it like i never would have expected uh you know three years ago for people to be asking that question yeah. but everything like the past three months have been so ridiculous and, and incredible and exciting and terrifying when it comes to ai and it seems like those are the two camps right you've got people that are super excited and then people that are absolutely terrified and i think both are valid yeah. I, uh, I'm not, honestly, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I am not entirely sure where I fall. I think the artifice girl is a story that if focuses on one kind of hypothetical scenario, about a very, you know, specific situation in which, you know, this particular AI is, uh, it's, it's primary goal is to just replicate human behavior in order to protect children. And therefore it like confuses itself as whether or not it's it's human right that's that's our ai now as far as i i don't know if that's even you know as as early as today i'm not sure if that's an accurate depiction of of what ai is going to be like in in our Never world know. Uh, it's possible right? you know, i i think here, here's what i do think the artifice girl might get right right uh that we, we try to present this idea that AI is not like in the Terminator movies or in, in uh, <laughs> not Skynet. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not Frankenstein's monster. It's more, uh, it's more similar to a child, you know, and it's going to inevitably, uh, you know, it's going to reflect the best and worst parts of the people who make it, you know, 
Uh, and so, so if it's built for altruistic reasons to protect children, uh, you know, great. It might still inherit the childhood trauma of, of the developers. Uh, that's something that has to be uh, addressed and, and uh, discussed and uh, understood. Uh, of, of course, like the, the, the cynic, one could say uh, uh, with, with, with a, um, a cynical perspective, in, in this culture, in this society, AI will probably more likely be used for uh, opportunistic, uh, capitalistic, yeah. possibly nefarious purposes, and therefore yeah. it's going to reflect that, you know? Um, so for that reason, yeah, I think there is definitely uh, reason to be nervous. Um, I think what we as individuals need to be doing is, and, and maybe it's too late, I hope not, but I definitely think that regardless of if, if the ship has sailed or not, we should be approaching AI with uh, thoughtfulness and integrity and compassion. Um, because uh, if, if we don't, uh, then yeah, uh, the, the T-1000 crushing a human skull is, I mean, who knows? Right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I, I almost wonder like if in an alternate Artifice Girl story, like the, the whole, there's like this fear of the AI and it's like, oh no, the AI is going to take over the world. And then when the AI finally gets to that point, it's just like, I, I want nothing to do with this planet. We're going someplace yeah. else. We're gonna, yeah, we're yeah, yeah. And hey, Abe, can I come with you? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you, you guys are are annexed from us. Yeah, like, um, but I don't know. Uh, it's uh, again, it's it's crazy, crazy times. I never would have. Uh, I'm grateful. I think it's going to definitely bring a lot more people to our film. But uh, definitely, I have no idea what the next few years, what the next few months are going to look like in terms of AI, how that's going to affect privacy, how that's going to affect artists. Yeah. Uh, I, I, have, I have no clue. Uh, I just think it's important that we're talking about it. Yeah. And there's already people that are using like uh, chat GPT to write their like college essays and stuff. It's crazy. You know, Here we are. So anything can happen at this point. Yeah. But um, let's hope that it's all the best outcome right now you know what's work out all the kinks and whatnot which is you know you go through that in this movie you do essentially get to a bottom line and you know help the ai kind of um have its own agenda you, you kind of break away from that i'm going to try not to do too many spoilers or anything like that unless Thank you. Thank you're okay but that's okay sure. but this this interview will be coming out after the release for sure because i want to get people uh, some time to watch it but yeah there's a lot of like twists and turns that happen in here um and just working on these so minimal sets and, and working through this dialogue and having like the, the chapter based like format that you have, which I really, really love. It, it made me like, think, oh, where are we going to be now? How many years is it now? You know, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. So that's why I'm like, this could be an awesome TV show or even like an awesome video game, to be honest, like just <laughs> like a, a dialogue video game going sure, through it. Sure. So that's great. Um, but the one thing that I got to ask, I know everybody's already asked you about this, but how was Lance? I mean, come oh on. Oh my God. I mean, obviously, like, it, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody kind of is already, everybody already knows the answer. Uh, he's, a, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, he's a, he's a legend. He's Lance Henriksen. Um, I, I will say like, oh man, you know, he was always at the top 
list to play that role um, for obvious reasons. I mean, not only is he an incredible actor, there's the obvious like meta reference of, of Bishop and all of that. Yeah. Know, he's got such an incredible legacy. Um, but yeah, we just never thought that we would ever be able to get him, you know? Uh, so it was thankfully uh, with, with the help of our production company that we kind of partnered with uh, Paper Street Pictures that they said, yeah, let's let's get the script in front of him, right? Rather than just like sending it to an agent or to a manager. And uh, and that's the thing about like a lot of these kinds of veteran actors and in, in independent projects, like they'll show up and they'll read their lines and they'll take their paycheck and leave, right? And we always kind of figured that, you know, that's probably what we're gonna end up with, with some, you know, older actor. Um, but we got the script in front of Lance and he was like, I'm in. And and he he had this phone call with me. It was the first time that I had talked to him. I was so nervous. <laughs> but just in that first phone call, we talked for hours just about like the character and the story. And he was just so like wrapped up in it. And he he he, he was he had found all these, like, first of all, he had like found all of the subtext that I had put in there, like, like effortlessly, but then started, you know extrapolating things that I had never even thought about and connecting that stuff to his own personal life. Um, he, he just clearly had this immediate passion for the, for the idea and for the role. And so, uh, we, we couldn't have been luckier, uh, with, with, with Lance and sure it was the, it was the same thing on set. Like we were having all these calls and all these talks about, you know, doing table work and stuff. And then when he's on set, his chemistry with Tatum was immediate and electric and still like in between shots, he just wanted to, to talk about the story. He just wanted yeah. to talk about it. He just wanted to like delve even deeper into it. Um, you, we would wrap on set and Lance would be like, where are we going? <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. Well, I haven't slept in a week, but yeah, let's, let's go to a, let's go to a, a bar and, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it. It was, That's awesome. it was amazing. But like for a writer director, like that is a huge dream come true. Like getting to 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 pair up this young, talented actress that that I, I kind of feel like I discovered a little bit, to be perfectly honest. I mean, she's gonna be she's gonna do just fine without us and take Hollywood by storm. Um, but to to pair her up with uh, someone who I've idolized all my life, and then to just have him be so passionate about the 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 role and to give put everything into his performance. Um, I mean, yeah, that was I'll, I. <laughs> I, I got I feel so incredibly lucky uh for for that experience yeah and um it's it's awesome he picked that too because I've watched like um and listened to interviews about him saying he's very picky with the roles that he picks because you know he's he's been at it for a long time so he always wants to make sure he's getting something and acting in something that he can actually like feel and that's so awesome that that he you know went right onto your script it's like this is great I, I want to be in this. And um, also touching on uh, Paper Street Pictures a little bit, Aaron Kuntz over there, who's actually a friend of the show. Um, oh, he, was, he was telling me about this film. Um, we didn't like leak anything about it or he was just like, hey, there's going to be a really cool film coming out soon by a really cool director. And I'm like, oh, I cannot wait. And I got the email and then he was like, oh, dude, I think I got the movie you're talking about. And I watched it and I was like, you are not lying. This, this film is great. So, man, like... Yeah, we're, we're really grateful for Aaron and for everybody over at Paper Street for for like seeing the potential because um, we had shot a, a large chunk of the film as a proof of concept. 
And, um, and that's what they, they kind of saw. And they, I think it was, it was just like, and he, have independent filmmakers who like they they make that kind of uh, uh, partnership with with a with a, a larger production company and then like all the creative control gets taken away but paper street understood and let us tell the story that we wanted to tell in the way that we wanted to tell it and encouraged us to to take the initiatives on even things that we were like well what do you guys think from like a you know, producer's perspective, and they were like, no, go with your creative gut. Uh, and so like, how often does that happen? Um, so no, I, I, uh, I, I couldn't be more grateful for Paper Street and for Aaron and Ashley and our uh, other executive producer, Peter Kaplowski, who really believed in the project in such a profound way. Yeah. When I was talking to Aaron too, he was saying that the whole reason why he made his company is to, you know, give the the creators, the creative control, let them be in control of it. And um, everything that's been coming out of Paper Street as of late has just been phenomenal. So to see you with all these other amazing films is really, really cool. And I want to see more from you. I really, really do. Um, but before we, uh, we get into what's coming next with you or anything like that, um, do you have a favorite horror film? Are you a horror fan? Or are you yeah. more thriller sci-fi, like with aliens and stuff like that with Lance? Yeah, I, I love all the genres personally. Like there's, um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I remember I was on, actually, I think it was the Paper Street podcast. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a horror fan. And I was like ready for that question that you just asked. Like I've got, I've got the answer. But they were uh, like, the question they asked was like, what's your favorite uh, horror uh, franchise? And I was like, <laughs> like, can't make me pick a horror franchise you know like uh because nightmare on elm street has like yeah. some really great ones but the chucky franchise is fascinating i yeah. think like it, it's not my favorite uh but like the saw franchise is like needs to be studied and <laughs> yeah dissected uh it's it's an autopsy um I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't even remember the answer I gave him. If like, I remember in the, in the shower this morning, I was like, I should have said final destination, but whatever. <laughs> Anyways, um, favorite horror film. Uh, if you'll accept this answer is uh, funny games by uh, Mikhail Hanukkah. I know that's a bit of a, oh, okay. a snobby answer. Uh, and, okay. and the, and the, the, the new one, the remake, uh, because I, I think I, it's, I mean, it's, it's still the same, you know, director, same, same story, pretty much line for line, shot for shot. Uh, I just think Tim Roth and Naomi Watts, uh, Bud Court, and uh, I forget the other guy's name, um, are, are just incredible. And it's that's a film that has like, I still have nightmares about, you know. Uh, th there are plenty of other horror films out there that are are spooky, like Hereditary and everything. Oh, Ari yeah. Aster and Jordan Peele is done are, are all terrific. Um, but there's just something about the the grounded and realistic like horror of just two people holding you hostage and psychologically torturing you. Yeah. Um, it's very real. <laughs> oh man. I would not want to be in that situation though. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. <laughs> oh man. That's a pretty good answer. I mean, you usually get like, Oh, I just, I really like Halloween. I'm a huge Halloween fan. I got a bunch of Michael. Oh, great. Yeah. Me. Original Halloween is, is prime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm always like prepared for that. But when people throw movies like that or something else that's like so out of like left field, I'm like, oh, 
wow, okay, so they actually <laughs> do dive a little bit more into the genre other yeah. than just all the surface level stuff. Because there's a lot out there, you know, there's a oh, lot. Yeah. And oh, um, yeah. now your film is going to be lumped in with all the rest of them. And this is a film that <laughs> everybody needs to go and see when it's released. Um, the 27th, right? It's going to be on, it's going to in select theaters and it's going to be on digital. Yeah, so you'll be able to see it at uh, the Alamo Draft House. Uh, I'm doing kind of like a little national tour. Uh, so if you're in a major city, uh, check and see if it's playing at, at uh, your local Alamo Draft House. Love those guys. Uh, we're super excited about that. Uh, but if not, yeah, you can uh, watch it on Amazon, Apple, on, on Vudu on the 27th. You can pre-order right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, I if if when when people go and and watch it, please uh, find me on Instagram and Twitter and and whatnot, and let me know what you thought. Because again, I would love to to hear people's people's thoughts about it, um, and what people are sort of taking from it. The whole point of the film was to incite conversation. So uh, really looking forward to that part of this. Yeah, it definitely does. Because I was talking to some friends about it too, and everybody has different thoughts. But that's a conversation for for another day because that can go on for hours. Oh, sure, um, sure. <laughs> but um, do you have anything else that you're working on right now? Or are you kind of just waiting to see where this goes before you start writing your next uh, project? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I have too much uh, <laughs> in the, in the pipeline. No, I, I was, I already, b- before um, our, our world premiere, even over the summer, I, I had a lot of scripts you know like ready and then as soon as like I started having meetings I was like well you know what I gotta I gotta take take some time and revisit them and and tweak or whatever uh listen I can't talk too much about what it is I'm doing next uh that's fine but what I what I will say is that uh you know I I I think that anybody who enjoyed the artifice girl will be very excited about the next project and maybe even the next few projects. Um, I, I, what I'm hoping to do with the next film to, to kind of uh, cement a creative identity is, is take kind of the, the best elements of, of Artifice Girl and elevate them into something um, with, with a little bit more of a, of, of a, of a you know, um, scale, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not doing a one location film again, <laughs> um, but still without losing the intimacy and specificity that made Artifice Girl, I think, resonate with with a lot of people. So if you liked Artifice Girl, I, I think uh, I think you'll be excited for what's next because I'm definitely excited for for what's next. I am, too, man. I, I want to see everything that you do. And, and I, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on you. And I'd love to have you back on once you can announce all this stuff. Um, I pretty much ran through all my questions so I can give you a little bit of a break before your next interview. Um, Thanks, man. But this is this has been great. And I really hope that your film, you know, has a really big success. I know that Paper Street really do take care with everybody that they have in XYZ films that you're also in partner with, Blood Oath, which they're kind of all, you know, in the same same family right there. But um, Franklin, this has been absolutely awesome. Great job on writing, directing, acting, making something so different but also like so familiar you know because of everything that's going on in the world now and you wrote this before all this stuff started going big so i guess you're somewhat of a prophet <laughs> oh god no <laughs> yeah 
then uh, then maybe I should stop writing the screenplay that I'm writing next. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. All right. No world disaster. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> the day the earth stood still or not the, uh, the day after tomorrow. I mean, I yeah, yeah. Shutting that project down. No, no. I Honestly, though, I, I, I appreciate that. I think, uh, you know, I just want to tell stories that uh, people people can connect with and resonate with uh, that, that incite conversations and uh, and and yeah, uh, open the door to 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 new interesting ideas. Um, so uh, we'll see we'll see where that goes. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking out the time of all your other interviews that you'll be doing today and the previous, however long you want to even say you've been doing it. <laughs> and um, thank you for everybody who helped put this together. Um, I'm so excited to see how your opening weekend is for this and and everybody who's going to be renting it. I already pre-ordered it, so I can't wait. Um, and any anything else that comes out for this, I, I'm going to be be grabbing for sure. But uh, Franklin, thank you so much for doing this, man. And um, we will we'll stay connected, man, for sure. Thank you so much, Dustin. Please don't be a stranger. Can't wait to hear from you next. All right. Awesome. So that's it for us today, everybody. And um, please go watch The Artifice Girl the 27th of April. And we'll see everybody on the next one. Bye. <laughs>